Hello? Hello. Good evening. Good evening and welcome one and all to Don't Publish This Podcast. Your name is... Andrew Williams. And your name is... My name is indeed Anthony Arnott. And um, you are drunk. <laughs> yes, yeah, I am. This is Saturday, the something of April. Um, I've been out on the Rantan. That's right, the Rantan. Um, and we've managed to squeeze in some time where between pints where I have um yeah we've we've managed to find time to to record this episode. Yes. At very much opposite ends of the Saturday night spectrum, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, sure. You if you if you feel you have to say it, then you have to say it. I, I did, I did, yeah. Uh I you've been drinking, I've been winding. Um I hasten to add not myself. No, we should probably explain that uh Andrew his second born has been born not too far in the dis- distant past. Yeah, yeah. How 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 old is 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 the young boy now? Sorry, he will be four weeks on Monday, which is obviously two days from now. That is that has flown. That has that has flown. It has. It has absolutely. Um, and I've. Had a whole month off work, which is delightful. I love, I love how rather than celebrate the joys of the birth of your second born, you hone in on the fact that you've had a lot of yeah. time off work. Well, I have well-timed children, is all I can say. And yeah, um. Shall we shall we crack on? This sorry, just in case you're listening for the first time, this is episode summing of uh Don't Publish This Podcast, where Andrew and I scrabble together um unpublishable, the best worst stories um in a particular genre. And this week's genre is Western. Yeah. Not gonna lie. I said this, I did, I did whistle, I did whistle. It was supposed to be the good, bad and the ugly, but I did that last week and it didn't really come up on the recording, so who knows what I'll do this week. But uh, yeah, I said last week was a struggle. Oh, oh my word, this week was, this was, this was tricky. I'm not going to lie. Are we, talking, are we talking just the story or the whistle? Uh, a little from column A, a little from column B. Um, yeah, because I, I realised, like, the only, the only Western... Um, that I've ever seen, and I don't know if it can class as a Western, is uh, that one with Clint Eastwood and the chimpanzee. No. A <laughs> Um Yeah. And then beyond that, it was um, a Scooby-Doo episode, which was a bit of a play on Westworld. So well, I, I was... Good. Yeah. Um... A little bit of knowledge accrued from Pedro Pony and uh, Peppa Pig. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, that was pretty much it. Um, so it was it was a struggle. But, yeah, it was it was tricky. But I've got – oh, it's going to be 2-2. I'll say that. I, at the moment, I'm 2-1 in the lead. I think it's going to be 2-2 today. But we'll see. 
Well, let's not um, <clears throat> let's not let's not predict because I feel. I mean, let's put the mystery back in the mystery reader in the yes. sense of we just don't we just don't know where they are going to lie. They're going to land even with with what with what their outcome with what their result with what their chosen story is, which is indeed as I think I mentioned in the last episode of the beauty of the mystery reader. Um, so yeah, so shall we? Shall we indeed? Shall we? Shall we crack on? I have a coin in my hand. If you trust me to, Jimmy, it's your turn to call as well. Toss it. Is it my turn to call? Have you got a coin? On your side, in in no, I, trust you to, I trust you to do it all, and you you drunk you, you absolute mara! I am tossing said coin right now. What did you, you call? And I call heads. And it is heads first. Excellent. That that saves me moving out of my chair towards the computer to read my story. So I'm gonna make myself comfortable. Sit back and enjoy whatever you've called your story. Okay. This story is called Marshall Marshall versus the Banana Split Gang. <laughs> You've won already. You you are putting me on too high a pedestal, sir, <laughs> sir, 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 sir. <clears throat> I've had a, I've had a, I've had a couple of shandies this afternoon. Anyway, you're, sorry. You're, you're, you sound like uh, thingy two times from uh, Goodfellas. You're gonna go and get the papers. Get the papers. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say words right the first time. Anyway, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Thanks. This story is called Marshall Marshall versus the S- Banana Split Gang. I failed. I failed already. <laughs> Marshall Marshall rode into the dusty town of Dusty Town on his trusty horse called Trusty Horse. The sun was setting over the valley as he made his way to the local saloon and tying Trusty Horse up outside, he made his way to the front door. Or saloon doors, the kind that don't fully fill the door frame and swing both ways. Not like that. Making it easier for tough men to make an entrance and not so tough men to get punched through and out of the saloon when there's a fight inside. You know which ones I mean. Anyway, walking into the saloon, Marshall Marshall saw how quiet it was in there. There was a solitary old timer playing piano. A couple of good-time gals laughing a little heartily at the jokes from two punters and a barkeep. What'll it be, stranger, called the barkeep, as Marshall Marshall sauntered over to him. Martini, please, friend. The barkeep looked at him suspiciously before beginning to make the requested beverage. Quiet night, asked Marshall Marshall. Yeah, it's been slow since the banana split gang rolled into town. Sure, sure. Tell me about it. Marshall Marshall said as he spat some tobacco into the spittoon on the floor. It made a pinging noise like some sort of computer game before taking a sip of his martini. The barkeep wiped the bar clean as he regarded Marshall Marshall. Started a few months back, some posse, called themselves the Banana Split Gang, robbed the noon stage and disappeared without a trace, taking the money with them. 
Next thing we know, the local parson is taken out of his bed in the middle of the night and locked up in the local jail. Following morning, and he confesses that he used to be a vagrant in the next town over, killing people and the like. But since he was good with good friends with the sheriff, sheriff thoroughly enjoyed, he was released with no charges. The next day, however, both got sent out of town with their trousers round their legs by the banana split gang. By the banana split gang. <laughs> 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 by the Bernard <laughs> gang, no less. <sighs> Only no one knows who they are. That's when we put the call out for a marshal to come and help us out. But as of yet, we've not heard anything back. Marshal Marshall chuckled as he sipped his martini and set it back down in the bar. Well, friend, I might be able to shed some light on that particular predicament. Marshal Marshall stepped back and opening his coat, showed the barkeep his martial badge. The barkeep's eyes, the bar, sorry, the barkeep's eyes widened at the sight of it. I'd love to say that I've, um, I've got that wrong because I was drunk. You would but love I to say it, wouldn't you? You are sorry. You would love to say it, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would love to say that I got that wrong because I was drunk, but nope, that's how I wrote it in the first place. Well, I'll be the barkeep exclaimed. Don't you worry, friend, Marshal Marshall said, closing his jacket over and reaching for his martini. I'll catch the yellow-bellied, lily-livered, chicken-hearted varmints that have taken this town from you. The barkeep took solace from Marshal Marshall's words and offered him a room for the night, free of charge. Marshal Marshall took the offer most gladly and was pleased to lie down in a nice soft bed and close his eyes, knowing that the hard work would begin the next day. But that night, his sleep was disturbed by the ringing of a loud bell. What the blazes? He exclaimed as he leapt out of bed and jumped to the window. There, he saw a crowd gathering by the schoolhouse. In just his long johns, Marshall threw on his boots, reached for his pistol and ran down the stairs. Through the saloon and out the front door or saloon doors, the kind that don't fully fill the door frame and swing both ways, not like that, making it easier for tough men to make an entrance and not so tough men to get punched through and out of the saloon when there's a fight inside. You know which ones I mean. Outside, he joined the crowd by the schoolhouse with people shouting, break in, there's been a break in, and stop the banana split gang. Marshall Marshall tried to run through the crowd, but only got so far. So he held his pistol in the air and fired. Silence fell, and the crowd parted away from him. I am Marshal Marshall, a federal marshal of the United States government, and I'm here to protect you, people of Dusty Town, and rid you of the scourge that is the Banana Split Gang. At this, I like the applause scatter through the crowd, like a nervous waiter sprinkling Parmesan cheese over, uh, over an average carbonara. Thank you kindly, said Marshal Marshall, as he made his way to the schoolhouse. Now I'm going to investigate this here schoolhouse and see here what's been done to it. The crowd did nothing as he strode valiantly towards the schoolhouse, which consisted only of one room. Inside, there didn't look to be any disturbance or damage. In fact, the place looked like it had been made to look better. The walls had been painted, a broken window had been fixed, 
and even the burnout candles had been replaced. Marshal Marshall was astonished, which didn't happen very often. He had to think quickly so that he didn't look stupid in to the town full of weirdos he'd just moved into. False alarm, everyone, false alarm. There was no break-in, and so there was no need to panic. There was too a break-in, hollered Jeremiah Dipstick. I saw them go in with my own two eyes. I'm the one who gone and rung the town bell. Marshal Marshall stammered. When I say false alarm, what I really mean is that I've gone and managed to chase them away. They've broken a window, but I've gone and fixed it. And they stole all the candles, so I've gone and replaced them too. The crowd murmured, unconvinced amongst themselves. So Marshal Marshall stuck out a strong jaw, as he felt that always did the trick in these situations, and muscled his way as best he could through the gang. Once through, he turned back and announced, The banana split gang have nothing on me, Marshal Marshall. He then strode off in as manly a way as he could in Long John's, back to the saloon. The next day, Marshal Marshall sauntered through Dusty Town, tipping his hat to every dame he passed and shaking hands with every guy who came his way. Confident that he'd saved face the previous night, he'd gotten a taste of the town's gratitude for his presence. But just then, a sea appeared just to the side of Dusty Town, and Dusty Town became one of those seaside towns, and a pirate ship sailed from way out in the sea towards Dusty Town, and the captain of the pirate ship got off the pirate ship and walked straight over to Marshal Marshall, and he had a hat with a skull and crossbones on it, and he had an eye patch and a parrot on his shoulder, and the parrot was called Gomo, and the pirate, ha- the pirate even had a peg leg and gold teeth, and he looked like a pirate, and he was called Captain Banana Peel. Hold it right there, Mr. Writer, award-winning podcaster man, said Marshall Marshall to me, the writer of this story. That's a Duke of Edinburgh award, when he says award-winning. Are you mean to tell me that this here pirate is called Captain Banana Peel? Yes, I do, said me. Arr, tis true, arr. Captain Banana Peel is my name, arr. See, I said. Well then, Marshal Marshall said, drawing his pistol, he must be part of the banana split gang. Hell, maybe even the leader. Before I, the writer, or Captain Banana Peel could say anything, Marshal Marshall drags him to the local jail like an errant child who'd been caught by his mum knocking on doors and running away. Now see here, people of Dusty Town, Marshal Marshall hollered from the steps of the jail. I've done caught the leader of the banana split gang, gang even. Can't say that. Banana split gang. So I surmise that your town will be safe for a living and a dwelling in from now until the end of your days. The crowd blinked at him before a woman he recognised stepped forward. You idiot. You think, you, you think you're running things around here catching bad guys? You don't know nothing. Just then, the woman reached forward and pulled a badge that showed everyone that Marshall Marshall was a marshal and pulled it from his jacket. Marshal Marshall began to cry. I'm the leader of the banana split gang, the woman declared, and we've been... Start that again. And we've been doing vigilante stuff to make this town a better place. No, Marshal Marshall blubbered, his bottom lip trembling like the proverbial dog having a proverbial dump. Look around, idiot. We robbed the noon stage to improve the school... 
We rode the dodgy parson and the dodgy sheriff out of town. Then you come along and think you're the hero when you're just an idiot. Stop calling me that or I'll tell Mammy. The woman laughed and Marshal Marshall, as he continued to cry and looking around, he saw that he was no longer in Dusty Town, but in the back lane behind his house. His big sister, Peg, stood in front of him, mercilessly guffawing at his tears, while his best friend, Benjamin Pebbledash, stood to one side, dressed as a pirate, and tried not to make eye contact with the bullying big sister. Marshal Marshall couldn't stand it any more and went running inside, crying big fat tears like the little boy he was. Ah, the end. So thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that, Mark. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the fact that it was, um, it was children, which I kind of clocked from when the Manana Split Gang uh, were pirates. I was like, yeah, all changed. I was like, yeah. And, and But I, I kind of, I don't know if I just got that, if I would have got that if I'd not written something similar myself. Um, right. But um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the, 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 the change from the strong, the strong jaw to the blubbering, quivering uh, bottom lip, which I'm, I'm sure was a deliberate... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Action, a deliberate piece yeah, of writing. Yeah, but I mean, I'm, I'm sort of talking about the, the, uh, the opposite again. The opposite ends of from one to the other. Anyway, I'm <clears throat> I'm tired, so I'm not going to trying to think of the phrase I'm looking for. But no, really, uh, no, really. really I'm it. drunk. Oh, I'm, sorry, I'm drunk, so I'm going to be honest and tell you that that I did not realise that I'd done that until you just pointed that out to me. So that was quite a happy accident. Excellent. Well, that's much better than other sorts of accidents people have when they're drunk, so we'll, we'll take that. Um, have you got any uh, any any light you want to shed on the story yourself in terms of background, you know, the, where the idea came from or your own Western experience? Yeah, so, yeah, sure, 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 sure. So, um, first thing I should probably mention is Marshall Marshall, the name, comes from, or probably com- comes from, um, Catch-22. I'm going to say it's my favourite book. I've not read it since I was about 15 or 16. I'm 30-something now. Um, You've forgotten so, what, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been that good a night. Um, but the, the, the whole point, well, I say it's my favourite book. Essentially, um, I read it when I, was a, when I was a teenager and I've been too scared to read it again just in case it's not as good as I remember it. But anyway, cutting to the quick, there's, there are characters, I think there's, there's definitely one called Colonel Colonel, whose last name just so happens to be Colonel, and he is a colonel in the story. Um, so when I wrote Marshall, I kind of thought, like, do I do some sort of play on Eminem, Marshall Mathers, that kind of thing? And I thought, nah. And then then I thought, oh, actually, I really like Cash 22, and I wouldn't mind reading it again. So that's where his kind of character name came from. With regards to Westerns, however, um the kind of like the big inspirations for me. I did I did I did toy with the idea because obviously the whole point of this podcast is that we do rubbish, unpublishable, so bad they are good stories in a particular yeah. genre. 
that when, when I came to the Western, I thought, do I do one that, that doesn't really kind of go anywhere? That it's a that it's a bit bland. And, you should say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll act surprised when I listen to yours, Gadandi. Um but yeah, I did think, do I do I do one where it's like nothing really happens? And then I thought, actually no, because I'm sh- I'm fairly sure, like in the fifties and the sixties, forties, fifties, and sixties, there would have been um, Western films that did the same, but also won Oscars, so are therefore deemed as good. So I thought, no, I wanted to make it a little bit silly. Um, but then, uh, so aside from that, really, like my inspiration, my kind of like Western um, insight, if you like, consists of Holes by uh, Louis, I want to say Sasha, Sasha, um, in which so there is, <laughs> thanks, he's probably not listening. Yeah. Um, yeah, he might be listening, number two, three. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's wait till he, um, tweets about it um yes. so in that story in holds there is a female outlaw and um, yes. so i think that's where it kind of spun from the whole idea that i like i like the idea that the man kind of comes in and is like i'm gonna sort everything out there's something going on in this town and i'm the bloke and i'm gonna be the one that fixes everything but actually it's all like the whole idea kind of spun from the the thought that what if it was the women of the town the ones who are, are who stereotypically i hasten to add um are washing the clothes cooking the meals and all that sort of thing um that what if they're the ones that are actually at once behind the crimes, but also the 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 they are committing the crimes for a genuine reason. So they rob the train to fund the school, fund changes, positive changes in the school, that sort of thing. Um, they get rid of the parson because he's a bit of a dodgy character, and then when the sheriff backs him up, backs the parson up because they're all like jobs for the boys kind of situation, then the, the sheriff gets rode out of town as well. So it's like, I like that idea. Um, it kind of spun from from holes where, the, like I said, there's, a, there's a, like a female outlaw character. Um, and then quite um, on, a, on a very silly level, the um, carry-on cowboy, was a, was a big influence. Um, I think of predominantly the long johns that Marshall Marshall wears. Um, I don't I don't think I mentioned it in the story, but in Carry On Cowboy, the the sheriff or the marshal or whoever the character that kind of comes in to sort out the the town, if you like, um, he wears long. He wears sorry. He wears red long johns. And I just thought I don't know why I could not shake that out of my head. So I thought that's sticking in my head so I, I can't I can't not uh, I mean I don't think I, I went so far as to, to to describe them as red but there are suddenly certainly even long johns in that story that I've just read um, and then things like the banana split gang it's it's a very silly name it was like what like why and then I, and then and then there was a there was a um, I used to write a very long time ago, um, back when I was at uni, I used to write mini sagas, which are essentially fifty-word stories, um, and one of them was called "Killing Time," 
where there was there were sorry there were two characters there was a cowboy and um what you would traditionally call an engine um i'm not sure of the, the terminology that you can use now um first american i believe it is um and the whole point of the mini saga was that they were kind of like shaping each other up to to take each other out of the game, to to have a pop at each other, to obviously like, kill each other. Um, and then within 50 words, I managed to kind of like turn it around so that at the end, the very last sentence was very much, nope, they're both kids and they were called in for the dinner or the tea by their mom or dad. Um, and so therefore they were killing time they were sorry. They were killing time until dinner time, but they were all. It was also killing time in the sense that it was cowboy versus Native American first. First American. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I don't really know what the what the, what the term is. Um, the the appropriate term is. Um, so yeah. So so that they kind of it was a mix of 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 a, of, a, of a lot of things. Then you took in a pirate. And I just thought, like, why not? It was just so silly. And I just thought, like, of, of kids playing in the back lane, of kids playing, like, uh, let's pretend one's, one's only got a, a cowboy outfit. So the other one's got his best mate, so happens to have a pirate outfit. And then all all the way along, it was just, it just so happens that the, the big sister was the one that was kind of like interrupting the, the town. <laughs> if you like, yeah. um, and and kind of changing changing things without without the the like if you like the main character the marshal marshal character whether as as a as a man as a marshal federal marshal or as a young boy like that obviously like didn't didn't realize. Um, one other thing I should mention is Back to the Future Part Three is a big influence because you know cowboys. Right, right, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Well, do you know what I thought I was a. a... Gonna use the word again. Thoroughly good effort there for for a, a genre that sort of stumped us both. Cheers, Mara. I feel like I've chewed your ear off there. I don't know if you <laughs> there are any further questions that you want to ask or points that you want to make, but lots. But it's it's getting late. You're drunk and I'm tired, so let's uh, let's crack. Twenty-four hours later, and we're back. Guys are feeling refreshed. One maybe a little bit hungover, and one possibly still a little bit tired. But here you go. Here's the second half. Pulp Western. At the start of every day, Western obsessed Norman Road followed the same routine. He'd get out of bed and drink some milk, digest a bowl of golden nuggets, what else, take at least half an hour of whichever John Wayne film was showing on Turner Classic Movies, and then head out to work, or, if it was a weekend, the nearest saloon, or pub, as normal British folk would call it. Today was no ordinary day. The morning's post would cause him to choke, briefly but non-fatally, on the aforementioned golden nuggets. A leaflet-headed, Poutlaw Holmes, brought devastating news. That final frontier, the stunning countryside surrounding Barton and the Beans, it's a real place, I looked it up, was to be tarnished by developers. Not only that, but they'd be riding into town, 
well, small hamlet, in just 24 hours. Norman hadn't lived in Barton in the Beans for long, but was already fiercely protective of the place and the seemingly helpless locals, just like John Wayne or Clint Eastwood would be. He'd moved to Barton in the Beans for two reasons. Firstly, he had beans in the name, and any Western fanatic worth their salt knows cowboys eat beans. Secondly, Western, Supermare, was too far from work. Norman glanced down at his inscribed bracelet, as he often did in times of trouble. Hmm, he thought to himself. What would John Wayne do? As he considered the scripts to his favourite films, he realised that he needed to run the Poutlaws out of town, and he'd need a ragtag band of locals to help him. Getting the locals to help him wouldn't be easy. Firstly, there weren't many of them. Secondly, they didn't like Norman. In his mind, it was because he was an edgy, strong, silent type. In reality, it was because he spoke with an adopted American accent and walked round in line-dancing gear he'd picked up from Help the Aged in the Neaton. Norman pulled on his boots, placed his Stetson atop his head, stroked his permanent five-o'clock shadow moustache and strode determinedly out of the house. He walked bow-legged as though from years of horse-riding, though the closest experience to horse-riding he'd actually had was a donkey ride on Blackpool Beach in 1992. With a population of just 159 people, and not so much as a corner shop, Norman headed to the only place he could think of where the locals would gather in any sort of numbers, the Baptist Church. Norman flung the door open forcefully and stepped majestically inside. Had there been anyone there other than the hard-of-hearing pastor, they may have looked up in surprise, but there wasn't anyone, so they didn't. Eventually, the priest, pastor even, noticed Norman, who had been stood looking mysterious in the doorway for a few minutes, waiting to be spotted. Oh, hell, not this clown, the pastor thought to himself, making the sign of the cross at his internal blasphemy, before saying aloud, How can I help you, my friend? Pastor! replied Norman forcefully in his affected cowboy drawl. I bring grave news. Poutlaws are a-coming. Round up your best men. We gotta run them out of town. It took a moment for the pastor to cotton on to what the deranged man was trying to tell him, but once he realised, he spoke calmly. Fear not, my child. A peaceful process has already been arranged for tomorrow at 8 a.m. sharp at the building site. You may join us if you wish. Peaceful, my ass, spat Norman. These poutlaws are outlaws, and you need someone like me to lead you all to victory. Don't y'all worry, though. I'll be there. See you at dawn. With that, he left. At precisely 7.58am the next day, Norman rode into the protest site on his colt. That is to say, his stuttering 1.3-litre Mitsubishi colt. The crowd of 11 people turned to see this smoke-filled entrance, and as said smoke cleared, they were dismayed to see the emerging figure of a cowboy. However... Given the elderly, middle-class demographic of the protest group, nobody was going to speak up and tell this annoying fool to take himself and his silly car elsewhere. Now listen up, y'all lily-livered yellow bellies, demanded Norman. I know these are scary times, but don't y'all think I'll be letting these outlaws win. Y'all follow my lead and do as I say. We're going to run them all out of town. Now who's with me? Yes, I, I think that would be splendid, replied Ethel Elderberry politely. I, I do rather think if we work together we could quit yapping. We ain't got time for that, interrupted Norman rudely. Now here's my plan. I need half of y'all to go and hide behind those trees yonder, catch him by surprise. The other half of y'all are going to wait up on the hill opposite. I'm going to meet them as they arrive and give them one chance to get the hell out of town before they get what's coming to them. Um, quite, 
muttered the pastor who had, he had spoken with yesterday. But I do feel it might be best if the developers actually see the protest. Yeah, we've made banners and such. Nah, you leave it to me, pastor. Now, come on, y'all folks, get moving. <coughs> Politely but reluctantly, the elderly crowd dispersed into their seemingly useless positions. As they did so, they grumbled amongst themselves, but not so loud as that they could be heard by this young upstart. I remember when the riffraff used to have shaved heads, said one of them. Looks like it's big hats nowadays. Though not quite the ragtag bunch he'd dreamed of, Norman had his band in position. All that was left to do was adopt his finest cowboy pose as he waited to meet the enemy. Norman and the protesters had expected the Poutlaws to arrive in their wagons, ready for battle, so they were surprised to see one solitary car pull up. Outstepped what Norman had hoped to be a mean-looking outlaw, but was actually a small, elven-looking man wearing glasses and holding some papers. The protesters looked on from a distance as Norman stared down his enemy. They watched as the two men exchanged what the crowd assumed not to be polite conversation, before they eventually could make out the sound of Norman crying, I'm giving you to the count of three to get the hell out of town! Much to the onlooker's surprise, at this, the man turned and headed back to his car, looking back once before leaving. Norman basked in the glory and newfound acceptance of the locals as they emerged from their positions. Well, I don't know how you did it, Norman, but, but well done, sir, the pastor exclaimed. My hero, cooed Ethel Elderberry, who would have allowed herself a swoon if her hip could take it. Ma'am, said Norman coolly, tipping his Stetson, I do believe my work here is done. With that, he took off, on, or rather in, his colt. Norman never did tell the other residents of Barton and the Beans what had actually happened on that fateful day. How the developers had run into some legal difficulties, meaning they were never actually going to build after all, or how the man who turned up was in fact the from the Nuneaton Borough Council and had just wanted to let the protesters know the good news. Weirdo, the man said as he looked back at the strange cowboy who was giving him uh, the count of three to get out of town. God, he wished the protesters had actually turned up instead of that John Wayne wannabe. For Norman, though, it was the last time anyone in Barton in the Beans would call him a weirdo. To his face, anyway. Well, my Mara, I thoroughly, there it is, thoroughly enjoyed Pulp Weston. Thank you very much. Do you know what? I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. I, I, I think I really bigged up how truly awful I thought it was. <laughs> And then I, I, I read it to you and I was like, oh, I quite like that. Yeah, cool. yeah sometimes, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Not, not, not bad. Yeah. Probably better than all the other stories, to be fair. I think it was probably one of me, one of the favourites. And there's not that many to choose from. There's not that many. The whole point of it is that these are rubbish, rubbish stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly certainly loved, loved massive elements of it. My worry was it was going to be too rubbish, but I feel like it was... You pulled it back. Yeah, it was... On the nose, in a good way. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's see what the mystery reader says. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who knows? Only them. <clears throat> yeah, no, I really liked um, the fact that you kind of base it in real places. Mm. Um, so you got Barton on the beans in there. With in, jobs in the beans. Barton in, in the, the beans. beans. I do yeah. apologise. I do apologise. Barton residents. Yeah, yeah. Beansonians. 
Beanzillions. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> the Beans heads. The yeah. Heads. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so the, that was in there. I liked it, obviously, and then obviously there's mentions of places such as Western Superman, Blackpool was mentioned, Nuneaton was mentioned. Um, I liked him. I loved I loved the uh, the main character. Um, what One thing, and I'm going to be quite controversial here about okay. with, with regards to how we... Um, conduct ourselves on this podcast, but I'm going to say something that I don't like about it. Hang on. Brace yourself. I often wear braces. I'm not today, so I'm just going to sit in brace position. Okay. I would have preferred, and this is, I don't know if this is kind of straying out of the realms of terrible stories and just into, I'd like to, if this would have been the case, but I think I would have preferred it if the main character, like if the, the town, sorry, Thought he was a hero, and then he kind of like flukily did become the hero, mm. um, and kind of like got away with it, rather yeah. than yeah, yeah, yeah. they all kind of thought he was a bit of an idiot. I mean, I like, I like uh, at the same time though, and to kind of like contradict myself, I really like that as well because and that's more in some ways that's more of a story arc. I think yeah. to do the other one, you need another layer on top of it yes it's a bit that's a bit more of like a, of a situation isn't it rather than yeah and you've kind of like what's going on within the situation yeah and Where how i fluke my way to continuing this legendary status that i've been afforded yes sure are you talking about yourself for your character there a little from column a a little from column b um do you know i think that's the sort of thing that may have ended up in the this is the first time i've written more than one story mm-hmm and the first one possibly was truly awful. Right. I feel like it may have been more of a radio play. It had kind right, of... Yeah. If this is such a thing... What, radio like, plays? Yeah, sure. No, it was, it, was a, it was like a tri-monologue. So it was basically... It was all a monologue, but it cut from one monologue to somebody else's... Mm. To somebody else's... Like, boom, 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 one, two, three, one, two, three. So you kind of told the whole, whole story... But each bit kind of led on to the next character seeing it from their point of view. Got yeah. But like the story kept moving forward, so it wasn't exactly the same scenes. Like this happened, and it'd be like I've just seen this happen, and I think this. And it was now kind of, I'm doing this, and then someone looks back on that, and it was kind of like yeah, it was kind of like tagging them, each character in and like moving Facebook. the story on. Yeah. Just or yeah. Instagram or without Inst- the pictures. Insta. The gram. Mm, pictures of the mind, though. You paint well, a picture with your words. That's, that's, that is what we aspire to do. Mm. But yeah, just, just to touch on, uh, I think, possibly your first, or one of your first points was um, the, like Barton and the Beans and all these real places. Mm. And it is the first time that I've set it very deliberately in somewhere that is real. Yeah. And I knew nothing about. So I genuinely had to research Barton and the Beans. Um, I kind of was like, yeah, I think I had half an idea to put it somewhere real. And then I searched, did a, just a Google search of like weird place names. And originally I wanted something really, really boring. Right. Um, possibly a little bit closer to Western Supermare because I had it in my head. <laughs> At one point I was going to live there. But I thought, oh, is that a bit too... You Are know, you calling Western, Western Supermare boring? Is that what you're saying, yeah? No, it wasn't boring enough. Oh, right, okay. Well. That was... Unlike the other thing, that was two on the nose. That was Western. Two. Yes. I wanted the reference, uh, but yeah. I didn't want it to just be like, oh, yeah, it's Western, it's Western. I yeah. wanted to want to, they wanted to aspire to live there. And then in the list of names, came up with 
Barton and the Beans, Cowboys, mm. according to uh, Pedro Pony on Peppa Pig. Yeah, I know it, I know um, it well. Yeah. He taught me that Cowboys eat beans. Yes. So I kind of ran with that. Yeah. And you can't you can't yeah. argue with that kind of historical resource. To be no, no, no. That was my first bit of Do you know what really, I mean? really solid research. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole story, none of it would have happened the way it did if it wasn't in Barton and the Beans. Mm. So the fact that there was a Baptist church and a pastor in there who became, you know, a bit of a character in there, yeah. that wouldn't have happened if there was literally, if there was anything else. I, I can't even remember if there was a corner shop there. You know, it's like there wasn't anything much at all. So it was like, ah, okay. So wherever got that people are going to be. So that, there was that. Yeah. And then there was a the fact, it was like, okay, what's, what's the geography of this place? And it was mm. like, okay, it's in the countryside. So it was like, okay, right, it's... So what's what's gonna be the problem? Yeah, yeah. Developers ruining the countryside. Yeah, yeah. And then even, so we kind of all spiraled from there. It did. Even and and then bringing Nuneaton into it was then okay, right? I wanted to just I wanted him to have this line dancing gear, and I wanted mm. it to be you know, obviously I I love writing about things from charity shops. Yeah, yeah. Going back yeah. to uh, yeah. story number one. Um, so where's the nearest place that's like to have a charity shop? And it was well. Right, and the beans is in Nuneaton Borough, so I thought Nuneaton it is, yeah. No, it's a good um, shout. Good shout. So there, yeah, that's uh, that's how we got Pulp West and the name. It's the first time I've not actually had a name first. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. I mean, the name's a bit naff, to be fair. But it, we're, we're, that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah and it was just a bit like it's our business now. It is the, we deal in naff, and it was just a bit like right. What sort of? Na- I think I had another name, and it was. I, I had Barton and the Beans in it and it was a bit mm. convoluted and it was a bit like, I just thought, ah, it's concise and it's kind of like, like Pulp Fiction is the idea. It's just like, you know, yeah, stuff yeah. that's getting, you know, churned out. Churned out to what I was looking for, but I mm. couldn't think of it. So I said, bum, bum, bum. Um, so I'm glad you got that. So, it's, so yeah, we're kind of churning out these stories on a, on a relatively regular basis. So I just thought, you know what? Pulp, Western, boom, there's your, there's your name. Stick those hands together. Yeah. No, I think well, like I said, I, I did, I did enjoy it. I know I just kind of mentioned what I thought would have made it even more enjoyable, but that's obviously just me. Mm. Um, the characters, though, all the characters, uh, Ethel Elderberry was 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 brilliant. Um, she would have like the line, she would she would have kind of like swooned if her mm. yeah, hip could have taken it, kind of thing. Um, quit yapping, I think, is something that I'm quit gonna yapping. I'm gonna take away from that story. Um, and we'll probably, we'll probably mention in future episodes. I, I would hope we will so. probably reference that. Yeah. And even just like the little uh, little bla- bracelet that the main character's got. What would John yes. Wayne do? Um, I was quite pleased with that. Li- yeah, little little just little details like that um, just elevated that story um, for me. Once again, you've massaged my ego uh, thoroughly. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe we should uh, quit yapping and get to the uh, our new one. Nice. Well, here we are, arriving quite triumphantly, well, for one of us, at the results section of this episode. All right, you are currently 2-1 up. Yeah, at the, yeah, at, the uh, at the start of this podcast, I was very, very confident that it's going to be 2-all, so let's see if that prediction rings true. Yeah, let's see what the mystery reader has in store for us. So their feedback is... I really enjoyed the Marshall Marshall Total Wayne's World dream sequence in one story, but
but my clear, I replete. Replete? Repeat. <laughs> I'm replete for answers. Um, not very clear. No, no, not clear. I, but my clear... Who won? <laughs> what's the final score? But my clear winner has to be Pulp Weston because of the total cowboy nerd saving the day and lying through his teeth to maintain his facade. Mara, you are 3-1 up. Well, I am... Um... I must admit, slightly less surprised than that I was at the start of the podcast, um, but still pleasantly surprised, and um, yeah, quite quite happy with that. Congratulations! Yeah, thank in you very a, much. In a three-one lead, I mean, we've got. Let's get this right. We've got four more episodes to record. I thought it was only one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No. I'm, yeah, so it, it, it's still in the balance at the minute. Mm, it um, is. It's it nice is. to have at least the comfort of I can have a bad week, but I can't have two. You can't, have, can't have three. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I mean, you've done well to to um, to get a, a Wayne's World reference out of our mystery reader and still not get the point. That's it. Pat, I think you Patronise me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just I really like Wayne's World. You've you've done that in previous weeks with the Eric Morkum reference. <laughs> like you patronise <laughs> You got, you got, yeah, yeah. You got compared to Eric Morgan, but you got compared to Wayne's World, but you're still lost. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's sort of a backhanded compliment, but I, I, I assure you, it was delivered fully with the forehand. <laughs> very good, very good. Right, well, congratulations, Mara. That's yes. three one to you. Um, and that leaves us, to, and thank you again to our mystery reader. That leaves us with nothing else to do, um, except to announce that our next genre is historical mm. and i've got a feeling that we are gonna have it's gonna be a very a very special episode this one see you guys then ciao for now <laughs>